0: Flight 85 to Busuanga. Hi, Alex. Where? (laughs) Well, we're starting the year by flying to like a little known airport in the middle of nowhere in the south of the Philippines. I was there last week. We're recording today, January 10th. Twenty nineteen, happy new year. Yeah,
1: first first episode of the year. That's very exciting.
0: After failing to record almost for the entire month of December. That was a catastrophe.
1: December was busy, not just because of all of the usual Christmas shenanigans, but just generally, I think for everybody. So
0: we tried. God knows we tried. <laughs> yeah, we tried actually twice. We had guys we had two dates set up. The first one was because of shenanigans in Travels. I had the last trip of the year for me. My flight to Geneva was cancelled. I'll come to that in a minute. And uh, we had actually planned to record whilst I was in Geneva. I had my microphone and everything, but obviously, instead of taking just an hour to go to Geneva, it took me nine hours. That's and then everything was, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll get there in a minute. And then the second date we had uh, planned for was the 31st of uh, December, saying, yeah, well, to cap the year off. And that time was purely me. I just couldn't make it. And then we didn't record. And we got Alex so many messages of people telling us, where are the episodes? <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry, guys. <laughs> And obviously, that that also means that we have like a lot to cover. we won't be doing that in this episode only because it's way too many. i think i've I've done eighteen flights since we last recorded, Wow, including the one I mentioned to Japan, which was fascinating, and I'm not going to cover it on this episode because it's way too long otherwise. We won't have time, so there will be that will be for the probably the next one. Hopefully, uh, we're going to try. This is one of our resolutions for 2019 to keep up with that uh, every two weeks uh, release. <laughs> pretty know. well last year. Yeah, yeah, which is quite uh, amazing because we do travel quite extensively. It was for both of us a record year last year. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was yeah. full on year. On I was ready to be done by the end of it. You know what? When I took my first flight this year, which was the first of January at. Eight thirty on the first of January, I was at T three at Heathrow, uh, flying Cathay Pacific towards Asia. I'll also mention that flight later, and I was sitting in the the cafe lounge, and I was like, "Why am I flying today? I just want to not fly for a little bit longer." It was the first flight in years for how comfortable it was that I wasn't 100% in it. I was like, yeah. I wish I could stay home. I don't know, I don't know how to explain that feeling. No, I, f- I felt
1: exactly the same way when I had my last flight of the year. I was just, I was, I'd rather have been at home and not in an airplane, which is very, very unusual for me.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, I had like, because, you know, at the end of the year, you have all these people, you know, sharing how many flights they've done, how many miles they've done. And there was this friend of mine, okay, lives between Australia and New York. And I think he's done 450k or something. And I'm, we've done both of us, we've done a lot, but this is staggering. And I'm like, I don't think I want that life. No, You know, for whole, I love flying and we do
1: love flying. No, I don't I don't want that either. I think it's it's I mean everybody has their reasons and their their own kind of personal limits for this type of thing, but this year I think I found my
0: my ceiling of what's what's manageable, what's healthy. Yeah, exactly. And I think I don't want to to beat the record. And remember guys, last year I only started my first flight I the end of february so i had a month and a half without flying and i still beat my record i don't want to do that this year i mean we both said that actually at the beginning of 2018 and yeah well. <laughs> of course that's always the way though isn't it <laughs> and congratulations because you released what nine or ten episodes of attaché last
1: yeah year. it was a, it was a lot and we've got a lot more in the can as well it, it's an unusual situation where we have so much backlogged footage that uh, it's it's getting difficult to manage. But there we are. It's a nice problem to have, I suppose. Well, nice problem for me. Not so not so nice for Greg. I would. <laughs> yeah,
0: he didn't have any holidays. He's just editing your stuff, yeah. right? Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> but the the past few ones were amazing, and I know I'm not going to reveal them, obviously. But I know the ones that are coming up including ones that are coming up and are not filmed yet, and they all look amazing. So well, I'm hoping you're going to still do 9 or 10 this year because I think it's a nice um, schedule. Not to do like 20 because that would be insane, but yeah. 9 is is Yeah, we'll definitely perfect. do that many this th- or release that many this year for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then he's going to release 55 and he's mm-hmm. never going to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't complain, Alex, come on. <laughs> you love it um okay so let's start with that no particular chronological order I arrive at uh, ETHRO, I think it was, uh, let me check, the 20th of December, the 19th of December. Sorry, the 19th of December, I was going for a meeting to meet Ayata in uh, Geneva. So that's the irony, because it was meeting the Elan industry in Geneva. <laughs> and I arrive at 7 a.m. at ETHRO T2. And as soon as I stepped out of the car, I get a notification from one of these obscure apps that I never use. Your flight is canceled. And I'm like... No. No, 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 no. So I step into the terminal, and then I get a notification from TripIt. Your flight is not Please call the airline. I immediately take a look at the board. And lucky me, at that point, I am, because I just stepped in, I'm in front of ticketing. So I jump into ticketing. I'm like, there's no way. I need to be attending that meeting. It starts three hours later. And yeah, while well, the flight was canceled. The earlier flight, I learned, was canceled as well. So there's oh, uh, I had the second. Yeah, I... They don't tell me the explanation. The guy at the ticketing kind of says, "You know, it's a technical problem," which means everything and nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm with my Google Flights uh, website, and I say, "Okay, this is the next one I can take." Lufthansa. <laughs> And there's no seats, he looks, he looks, he looks, and he finds me, ended up finding me a flight via Frankfurt. My goodness sakes, I wanted to avoid Frankfurt. <laughs> I just <laughs> like- love that. I love that, that we, we spent
1: so long on the last episode talking about what a crap hole it is, and then the universe decides that you need to experience
0: <laughs> it one last time for good measure. <laughs> since the previous flights obviously had been canceled, there were already a lot of people rebooked. So there was very, very few seats. And we're talking like just, you know, the Thursday. So on the Friday, basically, people are starting flying for their holidays. So obviously, all the flights are full. I'm very lucky. Because probably I was senator, so I was prioritized to get a seat. But that was not the end of it. Because, of course, then my flight leaves like three hours later. So I'm already late from a meeting. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to go via Frankfurt. I arrive in Frankfurt. We're late. We're delayed by 30 minutes. My layover should have been 50 minutes. I'm already like, no way. you know, I, You know, with Frankfurt, in 20 minutes, I run. I elbow people out of the bus because, obviously, there was a bus. I run, I run, I run. I run. I passed Schengen etc cetera, etc cetera. and then obviously what happens is that as soon as I arrive in front of the gate they say well we don't have a bus to get you to the aircraft and I'm like what do you mean you don't have a bus so apparently there were a strike of bus drivers on the ground at Frankfurt so for like 2 hours we actually couldn't get to our aircraft which was waiting for us on the apron <laughs> Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, basically, I took nine hours to arrive in Geneva. I remember when I was uh, at uh, that desk at the gate, there was this other passenger really furious. And I understood by overhearing his conversation that he actually was on that earlier Swiss flight that had been canceled. So, not only he waited for five and a half hours at Heathrow... But then it had no connection because of that bus thing at Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. And was like shouting at the poor. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, what they can do, right? So it was... (laughs) Uh, thank God, you know what, out of like the more more than 100 and whatever flights I've done, is the last one of the year, but still, it was really a, a disaster. Uh, interestingly, I don't think I've mentioned it, but interestingly, Swiss had a PR release earlier in 2018 saying that they've worked with Amadeus to do auto-rebooking. Maybe we mentioned it, but supposedly when you have such an occurrence, in 30 seconds, you can be auto-rebooked. Yeah. It didn't happen because clearly when I went to the ticketing desk, there was nothing. Nothing such as, like, they were looking for a flight to me, so I don't really know how that works, because I I don't know. The technology supposedly is good, but no.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it does the bulk of passengers where there's an obvious one, but for outliers or for... I don't know. I, it's it's a weird one that it didn't didn't do it, or maybe they haven't implemented it
0: system wide yet. Yeah, the good things, a few good things. Is first when I was waiting for my flight at a senator lounge at T two at Heathrow, because it was a Christmas period, they gave all the passengers this uh, gingerbread cookie, hmm. which was really cute. And you know, and you, I think you replied, these are the little things that are not costly but change everything. And yeah. really, you know what? I was not pissed off because it was like, oh whatever, you know, I'm like that in. My daily life, I'm like, oh, we well, you will know, make the best of it. But still, that little thing, which had nothing to do with my cancellation, was really nice. It is nice. I think it just it adds a little bit of personality
1: and a human touch to an otherwise very kind of procedural experience.
0: Yeah, exactly. Swiss, uh, I've tried getting compensation. I'm still trying. They denied me my first uh, request. The On reason- what grounds? Uh, yeah. Unexpected flight safety shortcoming. That's their That's- fault. Yeah, but, I mean, because, you know, uh, if you live in the EU or if you have a flight coming or flying from the EU, compensation kicks in and the rules have been tightened now that there have been some court rulings. If it's a technical fault, it's not an extraordinary circumstance, so the airline owes you money. But they didn't say technical, they said unexpected flight safety shortcoming. What a load. Thus we (laughs) can... Come on. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure they have like a, a, a dedicated team finding special wording to avoid being exactly in the wording that would kick in the compensation. <laughs> I don't want to, do, I, honestly, I, 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 you know, the the, the ticket was not expensive. So, so I'm like, whatever. But I, for the principal, I'm going to reply. I'm going to say, guys, you know, just what, what is this wording that doesn't mean anything? At least make a commercial gesture, you know. If they were to offer me even, well, five thousand miles, which is worth nothing for them, I would say, oh, whatever, okay, fine. Because honestly, again, the money is almost nothing. But I mean, come on, I'm not going to let them be. I mean, no way. No, no, no. that's ridiculous. <laughs> Another very interesting thing is that very smart. That shows that Lufthansa is very good on their technology is as soon as i was rebooked by the guy at ticketing automatically without me doing anything i started getting notifications from within the lufthansa app on my phone so that's really well done because i didn't have to add to booking or whatever i would get the you know the gate number the uh, the message yeah, your plane is ready to board and stuff like that it's really that you know it's cool. how it should be that's yeah, how it should be oh yeah the last the last one i forgot to mention when <laughs> <laughs> to show how Frankfurt is crazy. So, when we ended up finally being in that bus, there was a shenanigan. I don't know, the driver was, I don't know, was he someone who was not being on strike and was he taunted by others? But we start running with the bus and suddenly the guy pulls the brakes, middle fingers someone that was outside of, I couldn't see who he was middle fingering. It was really? Like, What's going on? Then accelerates, does a 360 with the bus. I'm not kidding. He does like he accelerated through 360, like still middle fingering that guy. I don't know if that guy was in the center of that circle he was doing, and then continued to our aircraft. I was like, "What is going on here? That's weird." All the passengers are bus were looking at each other. What is going on here? We're not gonna make him angrier by telling him anything, but
1: yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> jeez, oh, that's well. kind of weird. Oh well, yeah. Uh, to sum the experience up, at uh, Frankfurt, the lady at the desk who was uh, boarding us, so uh, scanning our boarding passes, she was clearly Greek, and she looked at me and said in Greek, "Well, that airport." She knows, she knows that airport. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, <laughs> flight back with with Swiss this time was not cancelled, but I'm in the Senator Lounge at Geneva waiting to fly back for my last. This one was last leg of my last trip. Going home for Christmas, and suddenly, delays, lazy, lazy. And I'm like, "What's going on?" And you send me the message. Well, there are drones hovering Gatwick. That was insane.
1: It was the most bizarre story in our world for a long, long time, and we still haven't heard the end of this story. It's I, I, I can't get over it. I can't get over how crazy this was. That this quote-unquote drone, and I say that for a reason shut down the second busiest single runway airport in the world for over a day. Yeah, I think 36 hours. Yeah. yeah. What, 150,000 people, maybe even more than that, were, were stranded or, or, or you know, their flights were canceled or delayed. They are camping out in, in airports. The military was brought in. The public transport infrastructure
0: collapsed. Uh, it was... It was and, and, unbelievable. And on the day on the day that because it was a Friday twentieth, on the day that what the busiest day ever, because Christmas fell on, you know, that that would be the start of the week for people getting their holidays. So there was like literally the, the, the airports were rammed and nobody was flying out. It was crazy. It was unprecedented. And they
1: initially wanted to shoot this thing down and then thought <laughs> no, this was that would be unsafe because you never know where the the bullets it able to or the in. bullet are gonna land and then you know they opened up the airport and then the, the stupid thing came back this all happened at night I I believe I don't think there was any occurrence where this drone was spotted during the day that's the
0: thing isn't it I mean we don't know we don't have the full extent of the the story but it's drone sightings. So somebody will say there's a drone, probably an official, I'm not saying somebody, a passenger. And then, of course, the regulation of all the airports in the UK is that you shut down the airport for 30 minutes to make sure that whatever sighting is gone. And then as soon as this 30 minutes window would close there would be another drone sighting. Was it like a public, you know, hysteria? Was it actually drone sightings? Then, because they were repeated occurrences, they decided to basically close the airport for three hours and six hours and 12 hours and forever... Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, and I it it got stranger
1: and stranger and stranger. The air, you know, the airlines were 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 really suffering because there's 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 nothing that they could do. There were flights being diverted that were inbound from overseas. A lot of flights were canceled all over the world, so you had passengers stuck, crews out of hours stuck, and. The Sussex police, whose jurisdiction Gatwick falls into, were criticized for how they handled it. But then there was that bizarre statement by, I think it was somebody from Sussex, or was it from somebody from the government that said, there may have not actually been a drone after all. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what is it? I mean, was there a drone? There was never actually a picture or confirmed you know evidence one, that there was there's one.
0: one blurry video that circulated but you're not even sure it was filmed over Gatwick you I mean there's no authenticity the police probably knows better than us but that's why I was talking about public hysteria is like it's like you know everybody says oh there's a terrorist and oh there's a terrorist and everybody says that and suddenly people start running and people start panicking was it that or was it actually one drone? I don't know this even the sussex police also said some of the drones spotted at gatwick airport could have been police drones looking for other drones yeah. <laughs> i do i, I just I, i'm 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 speechless
1: i really am because i think this is a dangerous precedent and actually we, yeah. we a confirmed precedent because and we'll come on to that later i'm sure that a not even actually real drone can bring an airport to its knees for 36 hours is disturbing, to say the least. And there were all of these conspiracy theories floating around that that the drone operator, the most likely place was for them to be inside of the airport with access to areas that the public wouldn't have because that would give them the range that they needed, that it was a coordinated effort because, you know, the, the, the battery life is only 30 minutes and... It needed to be a custom-built one because off-the-shelf drones couldn't. Yeah, couldn't at least do it was a of
0: this. pro one and not something you could buy at DJI. So it was one, not a Phantom Four or whatever. It yeah. was stuff that is used for aerial photography or professional uses like architecture. But I mean, they all say that, but we haven't actually had any news from this, so we don't even no, know nothing. You know? Other than, as we are wont to do in this country, sadly, these <laughs> the,
1: this poor couple oh, who were aviation yeah. and drone enthusiasts nearby were arrested on suspicion of being the perpetrators and then released without charge and exonerated but they'd already been uh, dragged through the the mud the, the mud and the in the and the courts of of, of public uh, uh you know opinion so their lives yeah. are over if you know if not their christmas so th- that was a, a, an infuriating postscript well it's not even a postscript because the story's not over i still i cannot get over The bizarreness of this story.
0: Yeah, I have absolutely the same feeling. It's really, really bizarre. And we haven't heard that that happened like almost a month ago now. We haven't heard anything besides having the other day uh, a drone sighting at Heathrow that uh, shut down the airport for like only 30 minutes because thank God there was no this uh, hysteria this time. I mean, I say hysteria. Maybe actually there was people at least maybe one person or two people maybe they were actually drones but we don't know what is for sure they kicked in an entire debate here in the uk so now um the government has given you know airports more leeway to actually try to beat those drones so they're going to extend the or they are extending the exclusion zone to five kilometers which is great, but at the end of the day, there was already an exclusion zone before and that still didn't halt people from, if that really happened, from people doing it. At the end of the day, it's one thing you're not supposed to. Yeah, you were already not supposed to fly over uh, an airport, which, by the way, goes into the direction of having a pro drone, because if you currently buy any of the drones... That are available on the market. You know, I mentioned DJI, but there's other brands. They have geo fencing yeah. built into the software. You can hack, probably, obviously, but you cannot simply cannot fly in restricted areas. It will just not allow you to. Yeah, do it won't that. even
1: take so, off. Uh, I, I, I think you know if you're if you're willing to hack it, then you've got malicious intent uh, anyway. Absolutely. So that that brings another layer of the conversation. But I, it's it's so strange to me that this whole story has gone dark. There's no news. There's nothing, no confirmation. No one has come out and said, actually, no one actually saw a drone. And there's, <laughs> there's been no, you know, uh, uh, at least that I've seen anybody official coming out saying, these are the lessons that we've learned. These are This is what we're doing uh, as a result. And then yesterday, day before yesterday, there
0: was one at Heathrow or at least a sighting, again, Mm. because I I haven't seen, maybe, you know, because I'm so busy, I haven't seen a video or a picture, but there was uh, news that they shut down the... the the runway to make sure that there was nothing and after half an hour again that regulation they reopened it so that was not the the big uh, catastrophe that happened at Gatwick but still so the the airports in the UK were given the ability to buy military grade technologies to try to tackle so there's uh, jamming systems and intercept systems as well they probably haven't bought them yet or are they in the process of because that just happened like uh, three weeks ago they also will enforce stricter registration so if you want to buy a drone between 200 50 grams and 20 kilos, you will need to register. You already had an obligation to register, but I think the threshold was higher. But all this is great, but you have already a lot of drones that were bought pre-regulation. Yeah, are out is, there. I was just about to mention that. And it's like everything. If I buy a drone, let's say, in Hong Kong, where I was just last week, and I come back, I mean, who's going to tell me to register? I mean, it's a self I need to be honest and do it. But yeah. you know, I didn't buy it in a shop in the UK, so I, I don't know. I... And
1: also, if you're building one from scratch, which a lot of people have the ability to do, then it just it doesn't make any difference.
0: What is for sure is that uh, the incidents involving drones have increased, and some were real ones. Actually, they were like, uh, I think, a month and a half ago. There was the closest ever encounter. There was a uh, uh, Virgin Atlantic that came 10 feet into crashing to a drone that was over a Clapham, uh, so very close to where I live. Uh, it's one of the most used uh, landing pathways to ETHRO. I think you he also he, he used to live there. Yeah, actually. I did, yeah. <laughs> they say in 2013, obviously there was no drones back then, there was zero incidents, and compared to more than 100 in 2018, I mean, again, all those hundreds actually all real sightings. Uh, But like you say, what is disturbing is that how do you make sure there's actually a drone? Will they use radar technology? I mean, they're buying military-grade stuff, so probably there will be better ability for airports to make sure there's no drones. But it was one of these scenarios, I think we talked about it when it happened, that I would have never guessed that something like that would happen. Shutting down an airport by just, you know taunting someone with a drone, not even mentioning there were no, none to start with. But even if you had one, being able to fly it for like 10 minutes, shutting down the airport, then disappearing. And I mean, flying it again and disappearing, flying it again and disappearing. That's actually a very effective way to shutting down an airport. It, it really <laughs> no is. Low cost.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I think it's. And that my, my fear is that even if it didn't exist and it was just a figment of a lot of hysteria, there are people out there who would have gone. You know what? That's a that's a pretty amazing
0: uh, yeah. power move that that you can do. And that would be the equivalent of the gilet jaune in France. I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean you, you you joke, but it's a pretty effect. Because yeah. we we all when 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 Gatwick was shut down, we all assumed. That Not not all of us. I assumed that it was going to be an environmental protest. Yeah, me too. And we still don't know if that was the case or not. But if it hasn't happened as a result,
0: then uh, it will in the future. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah, it gives, uh, I'll, I'll come to some news about ETHRO in a few minutes, but it gives some, yeah, IDs to those who don't want extra flights, who don't want extra noise, who don't want, you know, extra pollution over the air, uh, over London yeah. or Birmingham or Manchester, whatever. And you know, and the sad thing, because I actually I witnessed one of those guys, the sad thing is because it was over a very, very, very busy period, uh, means that there were no ability for airlines, it was not a fault, to rebook you because all their flights were full. It was Christmas, New Year's Eve period. I had this guy next to me that was talking to the to ticketing. And remember, we're the 20th of December. And the lady tells him, well, over here, the lady tells him, well, the next flight available for you is the 29th of December. Because it, it was, you know, there's no room. You know, all the flights are full of this period yeah. of the year. So the poor, the poor dude was...
1: Basically, Christmas no
0: Christmas. Yeah, exactly. What the, it's crazy. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've looked up what the other countries are. have done just out of curiosity. And uh, South Korea and, and France use uh, shoulder-mounted guns that fire nets. Then again, you still have to find a drone in the first place. The US and China use anti-drone lasers that uh, incapacitate the drone. And the best one is the Netherlands. They use eagles, actual eagles that are specially trained to capture intercept that's pretty cool uh, that's really cool i love that
1: <laughs> i think i've seen uh, videos in japan as well where they have a drone equipped with various tools to and nets and and uh, other things they can but if there's an even half competent drone pilot on the other side then they're <laughs> just going to move
0: I think South Korea started this not because of airports, but because they wanted to avoid drones flying over the Olympic Stadium during the Olympics, mm. and Japan having its own Olympics coming up. I'm sure they also are testing technologies because that's one they want to avoid at first, out of terrorist concerns, obviously. But, yeah, it's, wow, crazy, crazy. Yeah, extraordinary. Yeah. Extra- 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 so did you get a drone for Christmas? No. Uh, you know what? I, I,
1: have, I have a DJI. Mavic, which is a great thing, but it's getting harder. I can't fly it around my in-laws, anywhere near my in-laws. It won't even take off because there's an airport reasonably close to them, so uh, I don't fly it nearly as much as I used to.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. That's why I didn't buy one, is that, first of all, most of, I think we mentioned it as well, like episodes ago, uh, most of the places we go to are uh, cities. I mean, I know you've been, thank God, to non-cities, especially to for attache. You've been to outside of cities in Japan, so you have more freedom. But any city in the world, I mean, maybe not Karachi or <laughs> because they haven't, I don't know, it's just impossible. So I'm like, I'm going to carry this thing around and never going to be, be able to, to, use, to use it. it yeah. When I was in the Maldives, no, no drones because of privacy reasons. They don't want you to, to film the other guys in their room whilst you were actually, you know, enjoying a holiday. And again, yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. it makes actually a lot of sense. So at the end of the day, why, where are you going to use a drone? Like in the middle of the mountains of the Himalayas, but I'm not a very good hiker, so <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to Ethro to more uh UK news. Sorry guys for uh we'll promise you some other news about not the UK in a in a few. Ethro is proposing its biggest flight path changes since uh, 1946. It's quite staggering. The consultation just opened uh, two days ago. Uh, the reason I know about it is because I live uh, you remember guys, when we started this podcast I was living under one of the busiest, if not the busiest flight path to land at Heathrow and I moved a little bit south and the new flight path actually would bring the planes over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that this is not only forecasting the third runway that could open in hundred and fifty years uh, it's uh, It's also that even without the new runway, this new scheme will add twenty five thousand flights a year. Which will require, though, the regulator to uncap the current uh, flight cap. I think it's 480,000 flights per year at Heathrow. It's quite significant, 25,000 more, because it really adds. I mean, I don't know where they're going to put them, because we both say that you know every single uh, terminal seems completely over capacity uh, already. But I mean, still. And the thing they're using is called independent parallel approaches, which allows Heathrow to use mixed use, so you could. You know, right now you have one runway which is to land and one runway which is to depart, basically. And they alternate depending on the wind and to avoid noise. The new scheme will allow to use, for instance the departing runway as a landing runway for very quick bursts and that will reduce the distance between flights landing by using technology etc etc that's so you don't even require a third runway to have these
1: yeah it's restricted to certain types of aircraft and airlines because they have to have i can't i was just reading this article yesterday they have to have a certain type of approach function i know this be all bau's when like like you said, when I used to live under the flight path, I would use my airband radio, and you could hear them talking about this very specific ultra precision approach, and only the planes that have this will be able to yeah to to use it or this new function, and it's going to take a few years to implement anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's it's. I mean, cool. I think, but as you say, like. You, where the hell are those planes going to go? There's no more space. There's no terminal. Yeah. There's no parking spaces. Who knows what they're going to do with the old terminal 1? I don't know. Yeah. This is yeah, a I problem don't... that um, you know, it feels, it feels like a band-aid on a on a you know, on a massive wound.
0: Yeah, yeah, because once they actually open the third runway, there is an extra terminal that is going to be built next to it and that will at the end increase capacity of Heathrow to 130 million passengers. Currently is what 80 million and we're like a 79 999, 999, so we're just right there but yeah well at the end of the day you know it's the busiest airport in the world in terms of I don't remember now international Movement, or something yeah something like yeah, that. something like that and they need, they need the capacity. And you know what? Although I live under the proposed one of the three proposed new flight paths that will have this new type of approach. And, the, I mean, the planes will be, you know, 1,000, 1,200 feet over my house. I will hear them, you know. Um, not the 350s, but the 747s. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you need to do that. Otherwise, you know, there's no way for Heathrow to grow. And uh, it, it, it has to. I'm sure my neighbors will kill me for saying that. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, that's, <laughs> just, that's just the reality of the situation. Did you fly to Lisbon via Heathrow? or Was it via Gatwick?
1: It was Heathrow, yeah. It was Heathrow, uh, Terminal was Three.
0: So it was a it
1: was a BA ah. flying out of Terminal Three, and so 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 so. <laughs> so I, I went not. to the Cathay Lounge, and I sat there, and I I had my my dan, dan Mian noodles, and just relaxed in the uh, the wonderful salubrious environment that is the Cathay. Cathay Lounge, both business and first. And I thought I got there early because traffic was a lot lighter than I thought it was going to be. And I thought, you know what, for science, I'm going to go and check out the Qantas Lounge. <laughs> so so I left left the Cathay Lounge and went in, and it was there wasn't a, a Qantas flight for quite a long time, so the place was absolutely empty, and I was greeted by a distracted uh, lounge receptionist I guess is probably the word and he said yeah you know there's uh, not really any food at the moment downstairs so just go upstairs and it's a very downstairs is is pretty cool looking which is almost all like a sit down restaurant type type place and i went upstairs and you know, there were first of all there were hardly any windows oh. uh, you know oh. the cafe lounge is yeah full floor to ceiling windows It's certainly well. No, actually, in the business class one as well. But the first class lounge is two. You know, uh, half of it is is floor to ceiling windows. There's hardly any windows in the in the Qantas lounge. The food was uh, actually. I I have to say this: the food. There were a lot of healthy options, which I really appreciated. But it was kind of dull. There was nothing outstanding about that lounge at all. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) There was no. I mean you know for those of you that where this is important there was no champagne there was just australian sparkling wine which was which was fine but i know a lot of you judge a, a lounge by the quality of its champagne <laughs> the service was was friendly and and fine but they were like moving furniture around and hoovering and like i said it was between qantas flights so it, it was it was quite a lot of it didn't feel particularly relaxing and i lasted about half an hour <laughs> before I went back to the cafe lounge, <laughs> I, I, you know, is is it better than sitting in the departure lounge uh, at, at T3? Of course it is. But that, yeah, especially T3, which is not great. Yeah, which isn't great. It's, a, it's like a big cattle pen. But yeah, I there was nothing special about this lounge. If you've been there before and I've missed something, guys, tell me because I just couldn't see why anybody would pick that lounge over the cafe lounge.
0: Especially because they're next to each other, so you don't even have they're an right advantage over gate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, the only uh, one, the only one I haven't been into, the one World Lounges. Uh, I've been in the BA one. It's not great either. But no, it's not. It, it's pretty old. Is the American flagship lounge, or is it a flagship yeah. lounge? I don't know but I haven't been I've Admirals seen it Club. many times obviously but yeah Admiral Club I haven't, I haven't been in, I been should go it. because I, you know I've uh, on the show I've talked about how great those lounges are in North America I would be interested to try one of the ones here in the UK as well so but yeah the Qantas one was nothing to write home about
0: <laughs> thanks to you actually the, and I'll come to that at the end of the show when when I was flying Cathay, I saw the Qantas I said yeah addicts warned me no way I'm not going in <laughs> yeah yeah I think it's
1: it's, it's a no brainer now so next, next time I'm there, I don't know when I will be flying out of T3 again, uh, but I will I will try the American one and, and let you
0: know. Well, I'm flying from T3 tomorrow morning. So oh, I there could you actually, go. Yeah, but I was planning to go very last minute. I'm just going to Barcelona with uh, BA, but now that you've said that, maybe if I go not last minute, last minute, maybe I will actually go yeah, there. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested <laughs> to know what it's like. <laughs> and I'll report back. So what about uh, BA then?
1: The yeah, that, flight. <clears> it was fine. i I've been thinking a lot about this since since this actually happened, and I've been hesitant to to even speak of it. But there was a there was an interesting incident on board oh. that I'm in, I'm very sensitive to, and I'll I'll explain why. But before any flight I take, I always pull up. Turbulence forecast and look at the yep. at the weather on route. I'm just interested more than anything because there's there's literally nothing you can do with that information. The plane is going to go where the dispatchers have told it to go. But I, I I always think it's interesting. And sometimes I plan if I see you know heavy turbulence forecast across the Atlantic at a particular point, I'll make sure I eat in good time so that I'm not like spilling stuff all over my over the place or the meal service gets suspended. And I noticed on this one, I was just looking at the pictures because I always take screenshots so that I can look at it in flight. There was three really strong jet streams going from west to east uh, across Europe, particularly across the UK. One was north of us, so that was really no factor. But there was a couple of of ones that looked pretty good. When the captain came on and and gave his pre-flight briefing, which was detailed and friendly and interesting, he didn't really mention anything about it. But we hit unbelievably violent turbulence over uh what would it be sort of northern spain or just north of spain really really bad turbulence the flight attendants were were asked to take their seats it was that violent really um jarring physical turbulence not rolling not juddering not bouncy road it was like somebody had grabbed the plane and was shaking it hard you know you could hear it as well that type of stuff used to bother me it doesn't anymore because like i said there's there's nothing you can do about it the captain came on which i think indicates how bad it was said there's nothing to worry about we're talking to air traffic control. We're talking to other planes around us. There was no smooth air within 5,000 feet of, you know, up or down. So we're just going to have to ride it out. We'll do our best. About 10 minutes after that, they released the cabin crew, um, but everybody else was told to stay seated. And the cabin crew were clearing away the meal service, which had was coming towards the tail end when, uh, when the first turbulence hit, and then more turbulence hit. And again, with the same violence, it was even more violent. And there was stuff flying everywhere, plates and glasses smashing all over the place, people screaming. wow. Yeah. And one of the cabin crew fell next to me and had a tray of glasses. The glasses smashed everywhere. And I I don't know if she was relatively new, probably not because she was doing Club Europe service, but I don't know if that's how it works. And... The plane was shaking. She couldn't get up. So I helped her into the empty seat next to me and just said, you know, sit. And, you know, asked her if she was okay. She didn't really say anything. And then the, her colleagues came to help her. And then things settled down a little bit to the point where the crew were able to go and, and clean up a little bit. And this is where this is where it got – I think I was the only person on the plane that noticed this. But because I've had the same thing happen to me. I used to I've talked about this ad nauseum. I used to have a terrible fear of flying yeah. for years. Really, really crippling fear of flying.
0: The roots yeah, of we'll which Yeah, we'll dedicate are... an episode about that this year. We have been in touch uh, with people to talk
1: about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and this flight attendant was obviously spooked because she was she did things that I used to do like leaning over me to look out of the window to see what the cause of the turbulence was, or if she could see if there was going to be more turbulence. That is, that is classic fear of flying yeah. behavior. Yeah, um, absolutely. Leaning over passengers to look at the, the overhead display to see how much longer was left on the flight, when she could have yeah. asked a colleague or looked at her watch, and then she disappeared for the rest of the flight.
0: Maybe that she never had that before. Like you said, that that could be an indicator that she's relatively new. Yeah,
1: and I, I felt nothing but 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 sympathy for her. Yeah, empathy. I, I, it's, yeah, obviously. It's it's, it's yeah, yeah, the absolutely. worst feeling of of helplessness and distress, yeah. and and I, you know I I I I did feel awful for her. So, I wow. you know I'm 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 guessing I've got no no confirmation. Of course I don't. But having been there before. Those those were ma- not red flags. That makes it sound like it's a negative thing, but those were the the symptoms and signs Indicators, of someone yeah. who was freaked out, and out. I felt I felt so bad for her. And again, I I I was hesitant to talk about this, but you know, I I don't think I think she remains reasonably anonymous even from that reasonably detailed description, but. It was a hell of a way to end yeah. my year uh, yeah. of flying.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah. Was that on the way back on the way to Lisbon?
1: That was on the way there. And on the way back, actually, it was it was smooth as silk. It was smooth as silk. So, uh, you know, it, it just shows what... And that was exactly 24 hours later.
0: Wow, wow. Well, you know what I had... Uh, was it as violent as you know, but uh, since we're talking about this, on my way back from... So I flew Manila, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, ETHRO just two days ago. And from Hong Kong to ETHRO, obviously, when you reach the high terrains of China, this, it's always shaky. There's no way to avoid it. And they knew that. And they, the captain came on the PA at the very beginning of the flight and said, we're going to try to avoid it but there might be some shakiness uh, we see in it. I didn't do what you had done, so I didn't actually screenshot it, even though actually the Wi-Fi was awesome, but I didn't go there, I didn't actually check. And I could see on the moving map that we're, we're avoiding the high terrain. We're on the north of Xian, just below the Gobi Desert, so before Mongolia. Uh, if you actually look on the map, guys, it's right west of uh, Beijing. And suddenly started to do exactly what you mentioned. So all the you know at that point in the flight, although it was a day flight, all the, the windows were, shades were closed because some people were sleeping and he started moving like insane for a little while, just like three minutes. And I said, okay, whatever. <laughs> the crew hadn't been asked to sit at that point. And I remember I had asked like 10 minutes before for a coffee and she comes to me and says, oh, here, here's a coffee. She gives me the coffee and at exact moment she gives me the coffee, it starts again. Oh, God. So I'm spilling the coffee everywhere, obviously. I mean, it's okay, just coffee, whatever. It went, I, I cannot compare, I don't know if it was as violent, but it went for 20 minutes, super hard, Look, like the crew was asked to sit down for 20, 25 minutes, it was moving, and I was trying to drink a little bit of the coffee to avoid, because I didn't know where to put it, right? <laughs> it was yeah. like, I, I don't know if it actually is better, but I, I tend when that kind of things happen, to hold the drink in my hand to compensate for the movement. Yeah, you almost but have could... like a, a, a built-in- uh, Gimbal. The a, a Gimbal, that's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I could, I mean, I, I did my best. And the one time I tried to take a sip, obviously, you know, massive one, and I get some on my face. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, anyway, no biggie. But And I could see the behavior you mentioned, not from a crew, but I could see many people, you know, opening the window shade, taking a look outside, which was bright and sunny and nothing, you know, because yeah. you cannot see it. It's, we're not in a storm or anything. And I could see at the end of the 25 minutes, to make the story short, some passengers really shaken up, like really like uh, – and we had like still, you know, probably – nine hours to go so it's not like yeah. uh it's not reassuring if you're freaked out at that point it's really not reassuring it was my biggest strongest turbulence in five to six years yeah it was it- really 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 big i mean i was like you know because i'm like you i used not to be maybe as fearful as flying as you but these kind of things used to disturb me a lot when i was younger and i would get like oh what the, what's going on what's going on now i was like yeah i was like what, you know the hell i'm gonna i'm gonna do right so i was you know, smiling and trying to watch my movie was yeah. shaking like my, my very quiet movie became became a documentary, you know, a shaky camera. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that. <laughs> that region uh of, of China is always bad. You've got you've always. got the mountain uh I can't remember, what are they called? The mountain rolls or something. The 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 air coming down off the mountains. I remember a Cathay pilot. I sat next to him on a flight from Joburg to Hong Kong and we were talking about about turbulence because they'd had to do a lot of evasive maneuvering around thunderstorms, and he said that when they f- track over the the plateau of Tibet, you're going just north of it, skirting around the yep. outside of it. He said you it often felt, at least in the flight deck, like somebody had grabbed the tail and was just lifting it up and then dropping it down. It wasn't it wasn't violent, but it was disconcerting. Yeah. And he said, yeah, that that region is is if it's not that, it's it's jet streams. Um, so this yeah. It is what it is, you know? It, it is, is
0: what it is. And uh, kudos, because like you, the pilot came many times on the PA to reassure passengers, to tell them it was okay, that there was nothing we could do. They tried their best to avoid, again, on the moving back, so that they were going eastwards of where they would usually go on their route, probably avoiding worse turbulences, but there was simply nothing you can do. And he, But he was really, you know, with this quiet, very reassuring voice, explaining what was happening, you know, like, so I think that that's great. But at the end of the day, if you're freaked out, you're freaked out. Yeah, I it's not
1: There's no way you can go. Yeah, so,
0: wow. And I was lucky to have my uh, my backpack with me because I changed T-shirts and everything. So, you know, five minutes later at the end of it, I was fine and it was not spilled with coffee anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really, for me, it was the irony the of the coincidence she gave me because she, you know, the, the service is so good at Catholic that she really wanted to give me that coffee because I requested like maybe 15 minutes before and that was the worst freaking timing possible. Right, <laughs> so right. Like, what am I going to do with this coffee? And I was looking. Is there a storage I can spill the coffee into? No, nothing. <laughs> anyway, um, oh well. Uh, we'll cover, guys, uh, Lisbon uh, in a forthcoming show because we uh, I was there uh, almost two months ago. Now time flies, but it seems like, like we said in a previous episode, all these flights are mingling in our know, minds. And you've been there, so it's a it's a it's an interesting airport to cover. Uh, so we'll do that. So I'm not going to ask about uh, Lisbon, but is there anything? Rem- Remarkable or non-remarkable about these flights with BA? Well, I think the only
1: thing and those who have flown to Lisbon with BA will know this is that you almost always have a remote stand, yeah. which uh, is a little frustrating. But, uh,
0: you know, I, I, think, think, I think Lisbon there-
1: Airport is reasonably at its capacity.
0: Yeah, and, and you just gave me the perfect leading for the f- next uh, set of news, which is still about the UK. Sorry, guys, for those uh, do not live here, but it's very interesting still, is that I think the reason we have a remote stand in Lisbon in many other airports is because not being part of Schengen, they have to take us to different routing to go into, and we're still not either... A big bird coming from the US or from Asia. So that's why we're very, very often unlucky, including in Germany and other places. Uh, and we get these, you know, because airports within the Schengen area are built for 80% Schengen people. And yeah. we are like outliers and they have to bring us somewhere. So God, that, that's I, some I don't even want to
1: think about what's going to happen
0: uh, <laughs> in exactly. a few months that's a Yeah, that's like, what, three months? It's, it's coming very quickly. So BA first, IAG, because you shared that piece of news with me yesterday. So they had done all these setups to make sure that they will still get the Open Skies Agreements that applies within the EU to being able to fly within the EU, but apparently it's might not be working at all because they make a differentiation between the actual people who hold the power. So, you know, sorry because maybe some of you don't know, in order to be considered a EU-based company, your shareholder setup has to be 50 plus 1% EU-based. Of course, when the UK gets out, suddenly that shareholder balance changes. So the, what they were trying to do, IAG, is to maintain this shareholder by doing a lot of various financial shady things to hide who was whatever. And they had basically attained it, only that a body in the European Union told them, well, but the actual power, so who is actually making the financial decision that IAG is still mostly in the end of non-EU when the UK does Brexit, thus we won't be able to be considered as a EU airline. Wow. Screwed. <laughs> We we both said cheekily uh, yesterday when that news came up. We both said that I almost want it to happen. As in, I I know I know some people will flame me from saying that on this show, and please do. But I almost want it to happen because you know what? Let's go with it. Let's run with the ball and actually see what actually happens, right? Yeah, I I think that will it will increase the pressure from
1: business on the government to actually to sort this out. So, but the ship may have sailed or not actually because none of the ports are going to be ready. But. <laughs> Maybe it was a better one. The horse may have bolted uh, by then, and we there's nothing we can do. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we might have to use horses because it's, no <laughs> cart's going to be imported. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, and also, oh, my God. Uh, Rolls Royce also, uh, so Rolls Royce, of course, builds engines here in the UK. The problem they're having is that these engines, designs, and certifications have to be signed off by the European Aviation Safety Agency. So what they're going to do, they're moving parts of their operations from Derby to Germany. Yeah, I think that that's uh, going to be an increasing trend, irrespective yeah. of
1: industry, sadly. I read uh, I read a stat that a trillion dollars of capital have already left the UK, but uh, that perhaps is a conversation for a different platform. Yes.
0: <laughs> the only thing is, could the person that did that transfer of three trillion, whatever, can he just show some to me? I'm going to yeah. give you my account number. There you Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's good news. Uh, the uh, the UK has signed an agreement uh, with uh, Switzerland, so that will be able still to happen. I'll be able to fly the students and back. At least I have that. The rest we still don't know. We're not going to talk too much about Brexit, but it's just happening and we don't know what's going to happen. So then for us, there's no way to avoid that discussion. We do not want to be political, but it's going to be very interesting to see what actually happens. Will IAG end up moving actually to Spain? I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, Also, Gatwick talking about that. Gatwick was just bought by Vinci, the French uh, conglomerate. It's a Construction conglomerate, huge, huge, huge for like three billion pounds. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they know a deal when they see it. I guess I, I this. I don't think it materially changes much because it was it was already owned by an overseas entity anyway. So I don't yeah. know how much will actually change uh, as a result of this
0: maybe Vincent can go now into the drone business because it's distinct yeah. to be linked. <laughs> so, since I flew a few times the Bombardier, the A220, now that we're supposed to say that, we had that big debate about the divider of uh, mm. So, we, we need yeah, to... Yeah, it's very we fractious. Need, <laughs> we need to close it. Actually, Jean-François Bourque uh, was one of the persons involved in that debate on Facebook, said that he just listened to the last podcast and he was not expecting that this discussion would last three podcasts now it's four uh, he's basically saying we're saying the same it's a certification issue he was not trying to get into a hotly debate but funnily enough that had a people uh, actually sending us pictures of the dividers ed parsons was the first i can't believe i'm posting this but unless you're listening to the great layovers podcast you will not get this here is a A220 divider, and he sends us the A220 divider from Air Baltic. They actually do have a divider, so that settles it. It's actually possible. So, probably Swiss doesn't have a certification, doesn't care anymore. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's probably what it boils down to. <laughs> and also, at Johnny Walker on Twitter, same, also sent us, I think the same day, a picture of the Air Baltic divider. If I had flown Air Baltic to Riga instead of flying uh, Lufthansa, I would have seen it myself, and I would have been able to settle that debate last episode but so there you go uh the a220 is proving extremely popular uh delta has just added more they are going to go for 19 total we both said that this aircraft will be very popular and jet blue uh taken some
1: options at the very least so it's proving to be after nearly dying on the drawing
0: board it's crazy to yeah. be very popular yeah yeah and moxie that still the, the a temporary name, I guess, that new airline by the founder of JetBlue, signed a firm order this time to buy sixty of them, the three hundred, uh, so the large versions. So yeah, it's going to be very popular, and you guys in the US are going to be able to see it because right now you have to fly Swiss and Air Baltic to see them. So it's going to be all over. Ah, we keep saying that this aircraft will be a smash hit for Airbus. It's, uh, it's really cool. And uh, the one thing that was really cool. Uh, so I think I said a few episodes ago when you fly Swiss on the Bombardier to uh, or from Geneva, not Zurich. They are trying this new thing that instead of serving you food, they have like a bit like BA, they have a menu, you can buy a sandwich, and if you're in business class, basically get it for free. What I tried last time, there was a plancha, so basically cure meats, right? And the cool thing is they actually give you a wooden plancha, and the wooden plancha has uh, embossed, engraved, a picture of a 220. Oh, uh, that's so cool! <laughs> and you can keep it, obviously. That's really, really cool. Wow. By the way, they also offer, uh, and I saw someone taking it, a fondue, moitié-moitié, which is half a vacherin and half gruyere. And I could see the guy trying to eat a fondue out of this thing. So it's possible to have fondue in a, in a Swiss flight, which actually makes sense. It when does you think make about sense. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be cool. Boeing, uh, since we're in aircraft, Boeing won the race sales over Airbus in 2018. In aircraft value, by a lot, apparently. In sales, it's very close. Uh, Airbus was a bit late uh, disclosing its sales, and Airbus was able to add a few of these 220s at the very end, so they actually almost have the same number of uh, sales, but uh, clearly Boeing is winning that race. That doesn't mean a lot, but... Still. No, I mean,
1: especially with the consolidation that's happening. You know, Bombardier essentially getting out of the air, airline market, and with the Embraer and Boeing JV, I think now a done deal. You know, yeah. it's a two it's a two horse race essentially. No disrespect to <laughs> to you know to Havilland and ATR, but for the for the jets anyway. And I don't, you know, they'll still both do really well, even if one
0: "quote unquote" beats the other. The third one might be, over the years, the COMAC 919, I think it's called. Mm. The third one just did its maiden flight test flight. So they're going to sell a lot of those in China, I'm sure. And probably actually abroad. You know, when you fly, especially in Asia, when you fly to... I was in the Philippines. I'm pretty sure those guys would actually buy them. I think initially... Europe and the U.S. will be a bit like, no, no, no. And then they will end up buying them like in 20, 30 years. But at the beginning, I think in Asia, you will see lose a lot. I'm sure. Yeah, I think you're
1: right. I think you're right. I think they'll get some decent discounts for, for Chinese airlines. Talking about the Boeing
0: 737 MAX, which mm. was the smash hit for Boeing in terms of sales. Have you seen that story of the one from Norwegian Air that is stranded in Iran? Yeah, it had to divert to Shiraz, which is somewhere I've always wanted to go. Yeah, uh,
1: And they can't get the part into the country they need to fix it because of the of the embargoes Boeing being a U.S. company and then these reasonably new embargoes means it's basically stuck there and it's been three weeks
0: December 14th I was looking at the December 14th they had an engine issue It was going from Dubai to Oslo and they landed now it's stuck because they cannot get the part. I don't know how they're going to solve that one. Actually,
1: well, yeah, exactly. What do you? What do you? How do you get around that? I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I have no
0: idea. Maybe somebody has to get the the, 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 the blueprints from Boeing, but uh, manufacturing in China and something like that. I, don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. Or maybe they'll do they'll have an exception. I have no idea. Not
1: fun for Norwegian, though. I'm sure. No, when you've got a brand new plane just sitting there, not making money.
0: Uh, and have you seen talking about Boeing so they, they've been looking into you know the kind of aircraft we're going to fly in the 30 to 40 years and they've uh, just uh, released a new wing design the transonic truss braced wing I've, have you
1: seen the picture I have seen it it almost looks like the, the you know Cessna style <laughs> where you've got the struts coming from the wing into the fuselage and then a top you know the wing across the top
0: of the fuselage—it's it's bizarre. And it says that it allows to have much lighter wings, ultra thin, because of these trusses that are basically supporting the wing, like longer wings as well that will allow to go at uh, further speeds, uh, max speeds as well, and increase the cruise, the altitude. And by increasing altitude, the air is thinner, so you can go faster. And it's fascinating. They do—they actually work with NASA to build that. So probably one day we'll have one of these things. It's really fascinating. I find. Yeah, and I. I, I like that
1: they continue to innovate, and maybe we won't see it in this incarnation, but we'll see the technology that came out of the the thought process and the design process. And I, I mean that that's that's what got us to composites for well, most of the airliners that are made today. That type of process, looking twenty to thirty years into the future.
0: Another that they've just released, actually, so it's not the future, is the BBJ Triple Seven X. So of course, it's based on a 777. It's a business jet, so it's not for you and me, although uh, layovers could try to buy one for our own use. Uh, The interesting thing about that one is that it can connect every city in the world. It's the aircraft that flies to further. I think it has a range of 20,000 kilometers, which is insane. That is insane. Back to the problem that we keep talking about, which is, who the hell wants to fly for that long? Well, only CEOs and very rich people, because this aircraft doesn't solve the problem that Qantas wants to solve with uh, London mm. to Sydney and back. Because obviously, it's much lighter because you don't have the cargo and you don't have like four hundred passengers in it. Yeah. Right? If if you were to add that on that design, well, it won't work. It won't exactly. Since I was reading that news, I was wondering what are the current longest flights in the world to start 2019, probably, because I've seen some of our listeners are trying to do these ones. I'm not sure, like Alex just mentioned, that we want to sit in these flights for long. So the longest is Singapore-Newark, which just restarted 18 hours, 30 minutes for almost 10,000 miles with a 350 ULR. The second one is qatar Auckland to Doha, it's 9,000 miles for 17 hours and 50 minutes in a 777-200 long range. The third one is Perth to London, I think Ed Parsons did it also around 9,000 miles for 17 hours and 25 minutes in a Dreamliner-9. The fourth is Dubai to Auckland uh, in a 380 for 17 hours and 10 minutes, uh, a bit less than 9,000 miles. The fifth one is Singapore Airlines, Singapore to L.A., 8770 miles for 17 hours and 50 minutes. It's always interesting that these two do not correlate. Sometimes you have less distance but longer time like Yeah. <laughs> That's in a uh, A350 as well. United do you want to be sitting in United for 17 hours and 30 minutes from Houston to Sydney in a Dreamliner? Qantas from uh, Dallas-Forthworth to Sydney in a 380. Then Philippines Airlines from Manila to New York in a 350. They don't need the ULRs, so It's a regular 350 for 16 hours and 35 minutes. Number nine. Tide, United and Singapore Airlines from San Francisco to Singapore, 17 hours and 20 minutes for United and 17 hours and 35 minutes for Singapore. Why? Because United goes faster with a Dreamliner than, a, than Singapore with a Nervous uh, 350 and the 10th longest one for a little bit less than 8,500 miles for 16 hours and 50 minutes is Johannesburg to Atlanta, Cobus, you need to do that one, 777-200-LR, there you go. So guys, if you do any of these in 2019, please simply reach out to us, send us pictures, send us this picture-in-picture that I've been requesting one of the other resolutions that I've promised is that I will end up actually putting them on Instagram and doing a better job of playing with that Instagram account of layovers. uh, Because right now, it's only me talking in lounges, which is not very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So, to Hong Kong. First, Hong Kong Airlines. What's going on with the Hong Kong Airlines, Alex?
1: Well, there was this article that came out yesterday, day before yesterday, on ATW News, which said basically that they have... Strenuously and vehemently denied that they are about to be liquidated, <laughs> which means wow. they're probably about to be liquidated because <laughs> um, you know th- how often do you talk in those terms when when there's nothing to you just get on with it and you and you do it but there was uh this article that uh that that basically came out and said they 're going to sue people for talking about it in these terms again like <laughs> And the problem is is that you know they've grown aggressively. They changed tack to be a full-service airline, what, maybe six or seven years ago. They seem to be doing pretty well. They seem to be growing and growing and growing. But there were some pretty worrying signs. Firstly, five of their directors resigned in six months in the second half of last year. The vice chairman left as well. One of their big, insur- big insurance companies said they were withdrawing Coverage for passengers in case, in the event of the airline folds, oh, that's which basically the writing's on the wall there. Those are pretty big signs. But then the people that own it, which is HNA, which have had lots of financial problems over the last uh, yeah. eighteen months, yeah. <laughs> um, they sued Hong Kong Airlines for eight hundred oh, and fifty-four million Hong Kong dollars in unpaid debt. So wow. It, The whole thing is just is just going crazy. But they've said they've said that this lawsuit is against Hong Kong Airlines Consultation Services, which is some offshoot that's run by a former Hong Kong Airlines. The whole thing is just is shady. I've never flown on them. I've heard. Ah, I was was about to
0: ask you. So is it good?
1: I've heard nothing but good things about them. Now they're unrelated, at least now to. Hong Kong Express, who I have flown. But
0: it's not looking good. It's not. My only experience of Hong Kong Airlines was I uh, used their lounge at Hong Kong Airport. I'm trying to remember which airline gave me the right to do that. But yeah, I, I did that. And it was okay. No, I mean, when you have the peer and others, you probably don't want to go there. But it was... That's it. But I mean, this whole story seems... Mm, wow. Well... I mean, Hong Kong...
1: The Hong Kong government is is... Rumored. I mean, this was in the South China Morning Post, this fact that they're talking about a uh, contingency plan because it's Chinese New Year coming up. And the last thing that you want yep. is, is one of the big uh, four airlines in Hong Kong um, oh, yeah. stopping <laughs> right at the peak season. So we'll see. It would be such a shame. You know, I, Cathay had been incredibly aggressive in stifling competition in, in Hong Kong. Uh, and I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing. So I, I want, Hong Kong Airlines to succeed, just as I want Cathay, Cathay Dragon and Hong Kong Express to succeed as well.
0: Uh, since you we talked Cathay, and before I'm going to go to my own flights with them, everybody talked about Cathay shush before the turn of the year because they had mispriced uh, <laughs> some of their flights in first class. I'm going to quote the, the two of them. You could get what was it? Danang to New York for $675 or you could Get Hanoi to Vancouver for less than a thousand dollars. These usually go for like 15,000, so yeah. that was just a few hours. And that was also just before I actually booked mine, which I'm in sense. I would have not gone from Hanoi to, to Vancouver, but I'm just saying, I was like, why did I miss them? So, did they actually honor those flights? Unusually
1: and incredibly, yes, they are absolutely going to honor them, and I think uh, good on them. They actually put out a tweet saying, "Happy New Year," and to those who bought our good slash very good surprise quote unquote special on New Year's Day, yes, we <laughs> made a mistake, but we look forward to welcoming you on board with your ticket issued. Hope That's this awesome. will make your yeah. I thought it
0: was I thought it was great. I thought it was really cool of them to do that. I'm sure, I mean, first of all, it was a few hours, and I'm sure they run the numbers. You had to be, uh, you know, all these like super geeks that have their blogs about how do you make miles. They jumped on them, but regular people, you know, by the time the news were, were on, it was too late already. So probably the actual number of seats sold through these were not that big. No. They made a quick calculation and so say, you know what? Compared to our usual load and whatever, you know, for the PR reasons, it's better not to slash those guys out. And, you know, so it's good for them absolutely. It was, like you say,
1: they ran the numbers and looked at the potential PR value positively or negatively, depending on what decision they made, and they went with it. And I admire them for that.
0: Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, BA,
1: it's a- are you listening?
0: <laughs> did, you- <laughs> did you did you get any news? It was not the point, but did you get any news from your uh, hack thing? Did you- nothing, right? No. Uh, yeah, actually, I did. Oh, oh. Yeah. In fact, my
1: credit card was used. Um, oh, Yep, shoot. my BA1, which was part of the hack. With, and the reason I was able to find out is that I got two notifications, text messages from Amex with somebody trying to get the two-factor authentication code. Oh, wow. And I called Amex, and they're like, yep, this is almost... They, they didn't say it is, but they said it, this is almost certainly related to the British Airways hack. They were uh, great, as always. And they and I said, well, why would they... Why would it be such a long time between them getting the data? And they said they always wait until the holidays because the volumes increase exponentially and the transactions are much more likely to be overlooked. So oh, I thought wow. that was very interesting. So if you had a BAMX or any card that and you were part of the BA hack, look at your bank statement or your credit card statement incredibly carefully. Over the next Yeah, because months.
0: Amex, we said that uh, every time we talked about that hack, Amex are very good at monitoring that for you, and uh, they have very good flagging detection systems, etc. But you, if you have maybe a high street bank, like a normal retail bank, maybe you won't overlook, and they might not buy a car with it, guys. They might buy little little things. That you might overlook, like you said, wow, wow! Did you have to cancel your card, or yep. is it just... Oh, yeah, the card had to be canceled, and they
1: sent me one. I think within forty-eight hours, it arrived within forty-eight hours. And actually, I had noticed an increase in posts on Flyer talking to British Airways forum about about these. And of course, the apologists just jump in and said it was nothing to do with the hack, but it still uh, come confounds and flabbergasts me that nothing has been done about this. You know, you know th- this. I've spent uh, you know almost a full day's worth of hours on this on this hack since it happened, and and there's been other than the the, f- the free credit monitoring that there's been <laughs> nothing, not even an apology that wasn't clearly
0: you know a PR apology. That's that sucks. Uh, we had actually a lot of messages uh, from, of course, our listeners, as we always do. As you might have understood, we're not going to cover any of these. For two reasons: first, because uh, lack of time, we have a hard stop uh, during our recording day today. We were able to manage to do an episode, so that's a, this is great. And the second one is because I literally prepared this show with Alex thirty minutes before we started. Didn't have time to gather all your messages, but we had. I remember quite a lot of messages that are people talking about BA and how they've acted with them on that hack and how disappointed they were. So yeah, it's it's I don't know disappointing. Yeah, it is disappointing. very disappointing and, and and very frustrating as well. Are you still thinking of moving your miles loyalty to, for instance, AA or?
1: I because I, was I thinking, don't I was know thinking... enough about miles to uh, to to know what yeah, calculations E2. I need to make. Me um... too. And you
0: know, also,
1: kind... I I like. BA short haul. I really do. I think, I think those crews are so, so good. And I would, you know, I'll still fly them. Of course, I'll still fly them. I have to, but it would, I feel there's, there's something that would make me feel sad about, about not being a BA gold customer and being an American, whatever the equivalence is.
0: I was interviewing for something else and I met the founder of First Direct, you know, the uh, it's a very famous uh bank here in the UK, guys. And the guy is a uh, serial entrepreneur and amazing things. And he was telling the story of BA how BA 20 years ago, and I don't have the story in front of me, I'll repeat that in another episode, had hired. And that's how they transformed themselves. Someone who, was, who trained the entire company about culture, created these famous, you know, the Club Europe, Club World, and First Class, all these brands, but not only simply the brand as a name, but actually what a brand is, which is the actual experience, what it actually mm-hmm. means, created from a very so-so airline to become one of the best airlines. The thing is, and he said that to me, the following CEO, after it was replaced, was an accountant. And that guy simply took a look at the numbers and said, Okay, we have this, we have an Excel spreadsheet, and this is how much money you make at profitability and cancel most of the training programs. And this is where we end up today, when you have a shell of what it used to be in terms of the brand, and sadly you can feel all the cracks because of lack of training. It's just not what it used to be. No. And I never flew BA that at that time. You probably have, but I've never flown because I was not living here, I never flown BA in that time of what it's you know was the great company that was. Was better than anything else. It was the Emirates of, of the day, right? And yeah, it,
1: it really was. I don't I don't remember, to be honest with you, what yeah. they were like in in those days because I was just flying Cathay because that's where I lived. But uh yeah, we beat this subject to death. But I'm still not sure what changes and uh, need to happen. And you read all the trip reports on on Flyer Talk, and you know, I I I don't defend BA long haul at all. But if someone talks badly about the short haul, I, I jump in there and say this is this is different to the vast majority of the flights that I've had lately. So I think you were just unlucky.
0: Yeah, I, no, absolutely, absolutely. There was, a, I think it was on Instagram, I'm not sure, Jez underscore K, I'm not sure if he's, uh, I think he's a he, actual real name, who said, I'm normally a defender of BA, but I'm down on them this week. I flew back overnight from Hong Kong in first, I assume to London, and they had no champagne loaded on New Year's Eve. Oh. That's a pretty big oversight. I wonder what the reason was. So the reason he said, he was explained that the reason was apparently the crew on the way in, because they stocked the champagne from Heathrow to Hong Kong, went over the limit. Probably it was because it was the end of the year. So they actually they used all the stock that was supposed to be on the way back. Fine. They, they shouldn't have done that. But the thing is, if you have something like first class, even if it's not in your usual stocking policy to buy champagne in Hong Kong, just do it. It's mm. New Year's Eve. And yeah. then, crying out loud, somebody just said, OK, we don't have any champagne. What's the contingency here? I mean, and, and OK, guys, entitlement to first class, New Year's Eve. But come on. It's a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's a misstep, and actually,
1: in a way, it's an opportunity for a huge yes. service recovery. Yes, to say we've run out of champagne, but somebody's actually gone to the store to get. Yes, there's, there's something. There's a story yes. there. I just it's yes. not that
0: hard. It's not that hard. Yes, and that's exactly what Mike Harris, the founder of First Direct, was telling me was this whole training that they were doing. That's not only applies to BA, but any airline and any customer uh, facing company. When you allow the person to say, you know, go and fix a problem by yourself, you have we empower you to do that, somebody will have done it. Mm-hmm. Somebody would have said, Oh, I'm I'm going to go like to do duty zero as they call it in Hong Kong and bought some champagne and find a way and then come on. It's the fact nobody does that, it's not by definition a measure of if they're good or bad employees, is because the company culture doesn't allow them to as well. And yeah. that's the most the biggest problem. And that could be actually for United for any other airlines, guys. We're not here talking only about BA, but of course we live in the UK where we see that too many. But yeah, I agree. Short haul. I flew uh I'll talk about that in the next episode. I flew uh from Helsinki to to Ether last um month and it was it was great. It's always great in short haul.
1: It really is. I mean the the physical product is nothing to write home about, but the but the food because of the Dow and Co change and the service, I I yeah is is Not always, but but more often than not, very good. Yeah,
0: yeah. So moving on. uh, Still in Hong Kong, but uh, since you had told me, (laughs) so I was flying the first of January. I was in the morning of the first of Jan to go to the Philippines. Actually, I come to that our airport of today is based in the Philippines. I I go into T three and I'm looking at the Qantas lounge. I said, "Well, thank God, Alex just told me that I shouldn't go there." And I went directly to uh, the first-class lounge at cafe, which is great to start the year off. So there's no pizza, but Glucode uh, sent to us on Instagram. They are now serving pizza, Alex. They are now serving pizza in flight on Emirates. He sent us a picture from uh, Dubai to San Francisco, you know, at the bar at the back of the upper deck of the 380, with pizza. How awesome is that?
1: It does. It does seem like one of those things where... You know, you've got the equipment on the airplane, surely pizza's like a no brainer. <laughs> you know they sent the pizza pizza to the ISS, Pizza Hut or was it Mir, one of them. If they can do that and it had to last sixty days. If they <laughs> if they can do that, then they surely can we can do it on airplanes. I'm not saying it's gonna be any good, but it
0: feels like one of those things where, you know, it'll be Everybody better than a pizza. steak. Uh, and uh Johannes underscore P on Instagram also sent us a picture and I, I must have missed that, of a pizza in the Lufthansa Business Lounge at Tegel. And I went there, and I didn't look for it. Apparently, there's pizza. Oh, my God. Anyway, so see, well, not only, the, not only the, the Australians are doing pizzas in their lounges, uh, but again, I didn't go to the Qantas Lounge. Went to the Cathay 1. was great. The flight, you know what? I, I hadn't realized that. But in 2018, I didn't fly Singapore, and I didn't fly Cathay. Really? No. So I, I was so happy to have my first flight of this year with Cathay. Obviously, so it was great service, finally a very good deal, you know, partly with Miles because I was going for a private reason, not for, uh, not for business. And <laughs> you know what? I was so happy because I kept mentioning last year, talking about all the seats we've done, are they good for tall people or not? This remains the best business seat for me in the year. Yeah, I mean, it's not fully private. I mean, of course, everybody has a Lexus. It's not fully private as in, you know, there's like big dividers or doors or whatever. For me, it stays. No competition. The best seats in business in the year. I love it so much. I was like, I put myself in the seat and I was like, welcome home, Paul. And I was like so freaking happy. And I hope that they continue on that seat because it's just... Amazing! I love just that amazing. seat as well. It's
1: it's so good. It's so comfortable. It's so well designed. And I know it's it's a riff on a, a fairly common yeah. seat yeah. platform, but the way or the optional extras, if you will, that Cathay have done and the little touches, I think, uh, are just so good. So good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you flew something similar on, on Finnair uh, last year, two years ago, actually. Yeah, in the similar, but
1: um and it was my American have the same seat. Uh, who else has? I mean, a lot of people have that seat, but and, yeah, and way that generally they did, they... it's very good. I, I liked the American one. In fact, I'm trying to find ways to fly American business class again, but I keep not staying for the weekend. So I get, <laughs> it's just an impossibility. <laughs>
0: Yes, I'm going to explain at the end of the show what I'm going to do soon to avoid uh, paying uh, super big prices to the U.S. So they still have, however, issues. I flew only 777, and so no 350 this time, because they fly uh, usually from Gatwick, and I are flying from Heathrow. At least on the 777, the seats are good. On the 360, I read the other day that Safran would took over uh, Zodiacs and now it's called Safran. They're still fixing the seats. I still, if you go to fly reports online, you can still see that they are like, they're using tape to uh, hold them together, that even the lavatories in the 350 sometimes and cafe are being taped as well to some of the appliances will not. It's, it's a bit rough too bad but at least for me it was triple seven i arrive at, uh, at hong kong and i have about uh what hmm, 13 hours on purpose i wanted to i needed to buy actually clothes and, because i'm going for a wedding in the philippines you know and it's summer and i'm okay i'm a guy so i'm basically looking for the clothes to buy maybe like five days before i need to go <laughs> right but also you know i i i'm in London. And in London, it's winter season, then nothing for the beach. You know, it's like a, it's a wedding on the beach. I'm like, oh, my God. So then I go to Hong Kong, hoping that they will find someone. Then I didn't realize that in Hong Kong it was 14 degrees Celsius. It's also winter season. It was nothing. But at least I went to to Dintain. So yeah, I had like great foods in the city. So that was that was cool. What I didn't know, talking about uh, airline and cafe, they've closed. And I don't know when you went there last time, They've closed their arrival lounge. Uh, there's no more arrival lunch by Cathay at the Hong Kong airport. I didn't know that. That's weird. Yeah. So it's been taken over by Plaza Premium, which has a so-so reputation. But apparently, it's okay. I didn't go for it because, again, I went to the city instead. But they were warning all the passengers that access, uh, like me, they were saying, Oh, we're sorry, apologies for the inconvenience. There's no more arrival lounge at Hong Kong. They're not announcing that they're refurbishing or they're like planning a new one. It's clearly they closed it. So if you want to have access to one, you need to use the one from Plaza Premium. It's accessible with priority pass, and probably if you have a business class or first class ticket on Cathay. But it's it's bizarre, right?
1: That's sort of weird in your flagship not to have an arrivals lounge.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking the same. I, I've never done it. Had you done it? No. So, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're sure to be ironed in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, have I?
0: No, I don't think I have. So of course then I went to the pier, What an amazing last shield, my favorite and your favorite in the world. I don't think it will change this year. Nope. Uh, interestingly, uh, I so I don't know because you've been several times. When it was when it was opened, I think it was 2 years ago, reopened a year and a half, the partnership with the peninsula that was super good quality. And then they actually gave it to Plaza Premium and a lot of people were complaining and I remember seeing a bit of a dip in the quality of the service and the quality mm-hmm. of the food not like something big but still now it, they've actually kicked out plus a premium and given gave it to Sodexo which also does the Virgin Clubhouse and it's much better again Alex
1: Oh that's good I I haven't been there I'm into Hong Kong but I I haven't been in that lounge oh, I
0: was there in June I don't know when that that's true. I was just about to ask you that <laughs> I'm not sure it just because I saw I hadn't been in a year as again as I said uh, last time was 2017 I remember the last time I went in 2017 was like it's still awesome I mean the lounge itself of course but there was something about the soft product that didn't work for me mm. but I was I mean I was really like talking talking about details and this time it was again great that's why I looked it up I said is it someone different yeah so now the the people running it so I've never been to the Virgin Clubhouse but it always has great ratings the one in Heathrow great. Yeah, that's a, a that's a
1: great lounge. I haven't been in years, but it it was a, I used to go a lot uh, when I flew Virgin regularly. And that was a great that I hope still is a great lounge because it was outstanding.
0: So and I had uh, nan Dan mien, of course, yep. in the pier. Uh, don't be allergic to nuts if you try that, because <laughs> you <laughs> can no. die. There's only only that, but that was freaking amazing. I Also took uh, wonton noodles and soups. It was really fantastic. The food is in that restaurant of the pier. First class is amazing. I also used the uh, what do you call that uh, the day resting thing? Oh, those little cubbies. Yeah, those are those yeah, are great. Yeah, because again, I had thirteen hours. I went in the morning, had some food, bought the stuff. I went to DG as well the flagship store and you know i spent maybe five hours and i went came back and then i had to sit a little bit more and i i was a bit jet lagged so i said i'm gonna rest for like uh, an hour or two the, interestingly i thought these was actually these were actually rooms they are but they tell you that out of courtesy i don't think you're allowed to stay more than two hours i mean they won't kick you out but they kind of like say please you know they only eight of them so fair i think enough. it's two hours yeah, it's fair yeah yeah anyway um what i also realized because the um, now that they've opened the midfield concourse, and I don't know if you've seen that, because I'm OCD, I take a look at details. <laughs> and, uh, the signs are, are slightly changed, because before the opening of the midfield concourse, if you were between gates 33 to 80, you were basically would tell you, uh, go to the people mover instead of walking. Yes. And now, for the gates 33 to 40, it basically tells you to walk. Yeah. They've changed a little bit the sign.
1: They have. And I don't know what the status of Hong Kong Airport was when you were there, vis-a-vis the food court situation, but you almost had to go down the, to that end anyway to eat, because the rest of it was just so thrashed. Was it? <laughs> yeah. So I'm guessing that, you, that when, you, when you come no. through outbound immigration,
0: it wasn't a construction site. No, it's okay, actually. So maybe it's they, they've they done it. Oh, good. Well, then I need to go back and look. <laughs> or maybe, knowing that it's a very busy period, they stopped work for a little bit. I don't know. Because, again, it was like, uh, I was literally there January 2nd. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. No, it it didn't. The rest, like I think you said that. Yeah, you actually said that when you talked about Hong Kong. It's true that you were right. The rest of Hong Kong is construction site everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely uh, it's absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. It's actually funny because that made me again. I'm OCD and I I love reading stuff on Wikipedia. So I get into this rabbit hole after looking at this uh, sign change, and actually there are gates that do not exist. I didn't realize that. Actually, uh, for instance. Gate five to eight do not exist because now they've been renumbered five hundred. Five hundred is the they have another concourse, you know, the small thing in the north. The one where Hong Kong Express and people yeah, ride think, that you have to take a bus to. Yes. Um, and I think anyway, it's it's just funny that some gates that are of course, you know, it's just UI. They don't want you to get lost, uh, they better have round numbers between gate like a 40 and 80 and not 41 and mm-hmm. 85. And so there are gates that actually do not exist because I was walking and I was like, hmm, where is gate 5? doesn't exist. Where is gate 9? Gate 9, 9 is my favorite number, doesn't exist either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> gate 72 to 80 do not exist. They did that, so they simply didn't want to say gate 1 to 72. They wanted to have a signage that says gate 1 to 80, so they just went for it, but they do not exist, actually. It's really funny. <laughs> that, is, that's bizarre. You can look it up on the maps, guys. There's a lot of gates that do not exist. It's just, uh, it's just fun. I had too much time on my hands, clearly, <laughs> yeah. when I was looking for that. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Uh so then Manila I landed in Manila so that was with uh 777 but that's the other seat that's a seat you took with uh Cathay Dragon I think.
1: Yes which I raved about. Uh actually that was was it Cathay Dragon or was it Cathay? Uh either way it, I mean basically back then it was the same thing. I as a short haul business class seat
0: really really good. Yeah it was really good. It's a uh, 222 two, uh but for like a flight that takes like less than two hours it's amazing and it was food and was no fantastic and the ife was actually the ife was better probably because it's newer than the ife the triple seven the triple seven mm-hmm. ife is a bit slow to react you can feel that it's a few years old i was pressing the thing it wouldn't actually react but, yeah but it's uh, not fantastic again i arrived in manila very we covered manila very lucky there's literally no one in immigration which never happens i go out from plane to curb and seven minutes it's impossible if you guys have ever been to manila that's impossible that's and i then realized that i'm in the middle of the holidays manila was empty i've never seen the city even when i was living there because of course i would come to you know uh europe to see my parents so i never saw it like that it was amazing felt like a like london over the holidays no one i mean it's amazing so really amazing the one thing though (laughs) (laughs) when we arrive in Manila. uh, The United States just warns its citizens, I'm not one, but I read that because it was there anyway, that security at Manila Airport does not meet international standards. They urge travelers to exercise increased caution. I laughed a little bit because, yeah, they're right. I think the TSA went there and did an assessment. But they only realize that now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that must have means that that it uh,
1: degraded even more. But also, what is... What does more caution, caution mean? Like, what, yeah.
0: what is that? What do you get? I don't know what that what means. What do you do? What do you do? Do you like, do you look around your shoulder? I mean, honestly, I don't know what you do. Friends, they were at the wedding when they were on their way out. On their boarding pass, this little thing I just told you, this little warning, was actually taped on their boarding pass. Really? By, yeah, Probably the so if you were flying if you were an American citizen you would get that on your boarding pass like as a little sticker on top say oh we do not meet the security requirement please increase caution which you like so what what do I do with that now
1: <laughs> that's bizarre
0: <laughs> yeah that is that is bizarre uh, and then so I stayed in Manila I, looked, I went back to Manila airport, this time a T4, which is the domestic terminal, which is a shed, which you cannot connect from all. There are four terminals, one, two, three, four. They are not linked to each other. So you basically need to get out and take a cab, which is why I built sometimes in Manila uh, and arrived the night before and flew the morning after, because I knew this impossible to get. Now that I realized the city was empty, I could have made it. Otherwise, in a normal setting, it's impossible, which, thank God, actually allowed me to find clothes for the wedding, finally, just last second, wow. <laughs> because that's summer. And so I arrived at T4, steal a shed. Last time I flew there, it was 10 years ago. And it hasn't changed, and it's a disaster. But it's fun. It's almost endearing how much is a disaster. They have like it's five gates. Basically, imagine Alex. It's the size of the room you're in now, and the five gates are next to each other. So you're like, why do you even have numbered gates? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you just, just go, go, go out yeah, exactly. and you walk and you walk to the to the to the aircraft. They also. It's like these things, you know, they don't make sense. They also have like a sequence numbers on the boarding passes. So on those for some reason on the way they are at sequence number two and on the way back at sequence number seven. Only that when they actually do the announcement, they say, Sequence one to ten, please come now. You're like, What <laughs> why would you have sequence number if everybody basically boards at the same time? It just doesn't make yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Probably just anyway. built
1: into the system and it would be more effort to undo it than just say, Yeah, this is how we do it.
0: So I was flying SebGo, which is an offshoot or a licensee—I'm not sure—of Cebu Pacific, ATR 72 propeller plane. I had the front row. Uh, it's the same price. I just was lucky. It was—I uh, knew that these flights are very busy over the holidays, so I booked them like a month a month ago. And so really cool, super noisy. I hadn't flown an ATR forever.
1: Have you? Last time I flew one was maybe five years ago from Krakow,
0: maybe. Oh, yeah, they used to... I remember, yeah, they used to have some of those. You're right, actually. So I'm 2A, this is great. It's it's endearing, you know, because they... So I didn't realize, by the, by the way, when I bought the ticket, I bought a ticket that included some food, so they gave me this sandwich... I was the only person with a freaking sandwich in the entire aircraft. I mean, it was okay. I mean, and I tried it. It was pretty good as a chicken sandwich. And the crew is super young, and they have to, a bit like probably Ryanair, but like in a better way, they have to run competitions. They shout in the PA, they said, uh, who can show us something yellow? The color of the airline is yellow. And the first person that actually shows something yellow by raising his or her hand gets a prize. And then... Who can show us a boarding pass? And the first person that sh- shows a boarding pass gets a prize. And then who can show, and I can see she hesitates, a cell phone charger. And you see people scrambling <laughs> their bags. And she- <laughs> I don't know what the prices were because I didn't really participate in the game, but it's super endearing, right? And it's yeah, I like hour- stuff like that. Yeah, and It's an hour flight, and it's fun, and it's super noisy. I didn't realize, by the way, because I booked out of probably, because I knew the brand, Cebu Pacific, there's another airline called SkyJets, and that would have been for you because they have Airliners. Oh, man. <laughs> they do have Airliners. One of them actually used to belong to the BAs because I went on Air wow. Fleet. And the thing is, I had friends of mine, Mark and Cecilia, they were in the same shed, T4, waiting for their <laughs> flight. Their flight was leaving 20 minutes after mine, but because they had a jet engines and I had an ATR, which is propeller, they arrived 10 minutes before me. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> so they were like, they were waiting on the little boats that took us to the island we were going to, like, and I was like, how? Oh, yeah, jet engines. Oh, my God. Anyway, it was, it's fun. So, yeah, it was really, really cool to fly an, a- an ATR. Thank God I had, like, you know, noise-canceling headphones. Yeah, the funny thing of these ATRs, is that, you know, they load the luggages in front of you, so when... The door, which is, you know, my seat was 2A, I think. The door that opens in front is not the pilot. It's actually the cargo. Oh,
1: you know I mean? yeah. Yeah, no, I know. And
0: the, <laughs> I like that. There's something kind of neat about that. Yeah, it's a very different type of aircraft. So, And you board obviously from the back which means when you have 2A like me you actually don't have one to, to exit the aircraft which i don't i don't mind i mean it was just going but it's just it's just it's just really really funny funnily sebgo all their announcements are pre-recorded they never have Besides the competition I just mentioned, you never have actually someone taking the PA. So, for instance, we're waiting on the ground, and it's really hot. We're talking like like 30 degrees plus. And, of course, the engines are not running, so the AC is not running. And suddenly they play this. We sincerely apologize for the cabin temperature. This will improve as the aircraft gains altitude. Thank you for bearing with us. And you're like, okay. As, as a recorded PA? Yeah. They had that as a pre-recorded message. When we're about to start the the taxiing, suddenly it goes in accordance with safety regulations. Your crew will now take their seats prior to takeoff. They explain you every little bit, but all is pre-recorded.
1: <laughs> it's really I funny. Want, I mean, I, I've I've seen a lot of airlines do that just as a way to alleviate, you know, crew resources, yeah, pr- right? I mean, they instead of having to stand there and make the announcement, they just press a button on the on the panel there, and it does it for them. Yeah. So I can understand. I think it takes away a lot of the personality, but also, I mean, it saves time, and more often
0: than not, they're much easier to understand. But then again, you know what? You say, you're right. It takes off the personality, but at the same time that allowed the crew, the crew was super cool, super young. That allowed the crew to actually dedicate their time on us, whether we're just doing the service, when we're talking to us. So it played well. It's a very, very short flight. So at mm-hmm. the end of, you know, we take off and then because also the, you know, it's a propeller, so it takes forever to reach cruising altitude. And as soon as we get there, you have a sandwich and like, Oh, we're going down. Time to go, you know? yeah. <laughs> so I think it, in terms of time management for the two, I think there were only two crew. It works well, and they're really engaging with, with us. I think it's a good balance. But it's it's funny to to have a very different experience uh, in terms of how we fly uh, usually. On the ground, and, and I sent you the picture, on the ground in Manila Airport, you still have the Xamarin Air 737 that skid off maybe last August, and they try to... So it lost its engine when it skidded off the runway, so it's still around there, and they they try to hide obviously the name and everything. So you have they put like these big um, wraps over mm-hmm. the aircraft. Now the wind has blown some of them away, so you can you can almost read Shaman Air. So <laughs> that defeats the purpose. And you were telling me, so who's taking who's paying to remove an aircraft like that? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. I I, I would be fascinated to know. I mean, if it's clearly a write off right because yeah, otherwise was, yeah. they would have they would have spent the money but now they've 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 probably got their insurance money who owns it now I wonder if it was a leased airplane or 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 what I
0: mean it's a bizarre situation and it's right there you cannot miss it guys it's like in front of terminal 3 when you taxi from terminal 4 etc you have this big thing under wraps it looks like a christmas gift only that I wish we we got something like that as a christmas gift alex but yeah. we we haven't uh <laughs> So a few more things um, about these flights. Yeah, so Manila Airport, on the way back, I was flying from Manila to Hong Kong, obviously. So same him same setup as the way there. So Manila Airport has two runways, but one runway... So let's put it another way. Taxiing, and then we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. The pilot takes the on the PA, and you can see the tone of voice is like he's exasperated. Well... Manila only has one runway that is able to take heavies. And they decided to prioritize landings. We literally had, I think, 10 landings before we were able to take off. That's and brilliant. you could feel the, the expiration in his voice, like, why are we not taking off? But he, he couldn't say that, obviously. Just a tone of voice was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> that was super fun. Uh, uh, what I, yeah before that sorry I'm not going into a logical order and I'm boring Alex with my stories no I, you, these. You've been, these are places I've never been so the the of course Cathy Lounge in, in, in the Terminal 3 so that's the interna- new, new international terminal new it's not new but hear the episode about uh, Manila that we've done and you'll understand it's the best one so it's great it's supposedly open all day long I arrive there it's closed <laughs> and I'm like the door won't open we're a few passengers in front we're like what's going on here so thank God I had a Priority Pass and I went to check one I never had done. It's the, called Skyview. It's one thing that I found very interesting when you enter. Uh, Skyview is also being used by Emirates, for instance, as a third party lounge. You have two desks, and one desk is for Priority Pass users, and one desk is for airline users. And That's then you smart. have. Two rooms as well. So oh, I was wow. in a room from Priority Pass users. It was a glass pane in between, so you could see the other. It's a similar room, like as in a mirror. I think it's pretty smart. Very smart, because yeah. the the process for going
1: in on Priority Pass is a little bit time consuming. Yeah. So you can I, I've seen it at uh, a couple of lounges, especially in Gatwick, where there's a long queue because it just takes
0: time. And I don't know if it's because it's used by Emirates or if they had, like... I've rarely seen such... So the lounge in itself is nothing special, you know? There's The decor is okay, but there's nothing special. But the service was insane. I arrived there. As soon as I choose a seat, there's a glass of water that arrives next to me. I'm like, okay, so I stand up and I want to look at what is there. Oh, there's a beer at San Miguel. As soon as I come back, clearly someone had seen me with... The can of, of beer mm-hmm. because it was a, a glass for beer waiting for me at my table. Really? I sit and I'm like, uh, what's happening here? So I, I'm starting to pour my beer and somebody brings me a plate of nuts. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tiny lounge. So, of course, you can see the interaction. But I just find that the fact that they were so attentive to these little details. And I, again, I don't need someone bringing me a plate of nuts, no, but, but it, it was outstanding.
1: I love that. That's yeah. so
0: cool. Some of them were clearly staff, but there was one guy that clearly seemed to be, like, probably the manager. I, I had taken, like, a little sandwich, you know, these tiny sandwiches. The plate was empty. As soon as the plate was empty, the manager himself came, said hello, and took my plate away. <laughs> you're like... Not even seen that, like, in super, you know, fancy lounges around the world when you're supposed to have, like, first class service. It's... Again, It's such just, a service culture though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Probably that, probably but it's it was really noticeable. And then I went back to the Cathy Lounge, great lounge, honestly. It's one of the newest, so it's very similar to what you would expect Alex to a lounge uh, in Arithro for instance, a very very similar, the same decor and everything. So it's really um, it's really good. What else wanted to say? Yeah, uh, the food in Cathay, obviously, you like it as much as I do. Stir fried beef, my god, that was amazing. But <laughs> I, because you've lived there, I have a question. I never thought about asking you that. When they give you the the plate of food for them, the opening of the the food is fruit. You know, you look at you know the order of the the menu. The menu says fruit, salad, uh, main course, cheese, dessert.
1: Huh? I haven't actually noticed
0: I was that. About, I was about to. Oh, okay, so I was like, but is it a thing that they do in Hong Kong? Because it was, it's fine, you know. But I, I, I
1: haven't experienced that. No, I don't know if that's a if that's a cultural thing.
0: I don't know. They have a new menu at um uh, the way they display the menu. It's like a. A for lucky reading a newspaper, actually. That's pretty cool, actually. That's a nice me, way isn't? of doing it. Absolutely. A bit more uh, tangible and real and and, and not airline-y airport <laughs> Exactly. Back to Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong, I had one night at the Regal Hotel, which is the airport hotel. I'd never done it. Pretty good, actually. I was surprised. And you have a story about that, because as soon as I arrived there, you tell me, Paul, you need to go to, what was the China Coast Pub. Yeah. Can you tell us why? <laughs> My very first job,
1: when I was I don't know fifteen or sixteen, was as a bartender at the original China Coast pub, which was at the Regal Airport Hotel at Kai Tak. Oh my god, that's awesome! So I'm I'm, I'm I love that there's a the China Coast at the at the new Airport Hotel uh, at at Chet Black Cock, and it's very different. The one in the Kai Tak was much more like uh, the Raffles. The long oh, bar wow. the So it had wow. n- not not as sort of colonial as that, but it was much more dark wood and the, the new one is a little bit more modern. Yeah. But I do like that it's there and they're usually very friendly in there and, and it's uh it's kind of almost like an underground bunker
0: underneath <laughs> the reception. I was looking for it. I was like, where the hell is it? So I go to, I was very lucky, by the way, because when I book, I I go to check into my room. I, I, the the guy clearly, you know, they have this little uh, tag with their name and there's a French flag. So I switched to French. The guy is super happy. He gave me a free upgrade. So this massive room with a, with a, I had like a a garden, like for crying out loud, which was awesome to actually see the planes taking off. Anyway, uh, the point, the point is that I, I go back to that guy and say, but where the hell is the China? Because I was expecting it to be at the same level as the lobby or something. But you have to go like two sets of stairs down, and it's under the lobby or something, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's,
1: it, it's underneath the lobby. It's a, you know, like I said, it's kind of like a weird, like bunker type thing.
0: But very good, very good, uh, very good. The beers and very good food. So it was really cool. I stay there for an hour. It's perfect. And then uh, last mention about Hong Kong before because I know we have to close the show soon. I, I never really thought about it before that day. I broke at the airport we're going to cover, I broke my Sony, which I've been bashing you guys for for years now, my headset, uh, noise-canceling Sonys. And I'm like, I need to buy something new, or I want to buy something new, because in Hong Kong, the prices are really, really good. And I ended up choosing to buy... This year for me is a year of minimalism, whatever BS that means. But I want to reduce the number of clutter I have with me when I travel. So, for instance, I bought the DJI Osmo Pocket, which is very small. I That backpack, guys, I mentioned, big design. I want to travel with this. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to go for over the here, this big thing. I want to go for something smaller. And I went to buy the Bose QC20. So I went back to Bose after years of telling you that Sony is the best, and I still think it is. But well, the the ones that you put in here, awesome. The point is, the shop of Bose is not airside. It's landside. They have a lot of shops. I never thought about, never realized that. They have a lot of shops before... Clearing immigration security at, at Hong Kong. It's it's not you know, usually in airports you have maybe like, you know, a little kiosk for little things and maybe newspapers outlets, and that's it. Then you have I mean you have the usual luggage thing, obviously, but then you have like Muji, you have Bose, you have two electronic stores, you yeah. have it's crazy. I know. Never- yeah, there's a huge uh
1: like at the end of the check-in desks before yeah. security, there's that there's that long strip of and I tell you where it's even better is is Terminal 2 at Hong Kong has got just as more, as much shops. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, anyway, so that's – that. enough. I went to the ball shop. Anyway, that's really, really uh, fascinating. The one thing that struck me, the last thing I'm going to say about Hong Kong, maybe you've experienced it because you were like a few months ago, and again, I hadn't been here for one year, and that they've implemented electronic gates for both immigration and security, and my God, they're fast.
1: Yeah, I, I, they had them when I was last there, but because we had the kids, we weren't able to
0: use them. My God, I mean, we're talked about eGates here on the show all the time. The ones that Ether keeps failing and the ones in Germany are very good. But these ones, you don't need to register. So anyone was a biometric, unlike, you know, this stupid thing at Dubai, we need to pre-register. Anyone was a biometric document, whether it's a driver's license, uh, a residence card or a passport. You put, but literally you put your thing, that takes like five seconds to obviously read, analyze. But then... You get, it takes a picture of you, boom, you're in. And the second time you have to actually scan your boarding pass, boom, you're in. It goes like, it's, That's I will so never cool. talk to, uh, freaking amazing. I hope they do that inbound uh, as well soon, because you still have for foreigners to go through like a waiting line, though there were no no one, but amazing, amazing, amazing. Clearly it's facial recognition, whatever, but I don't care about privacy here. It's just you get into like in three seconds is crazy.
1: Yeah, that I, I like you say, the the, the the really big thing for me will be inbound for visitors.
0: Yeah, yeah, really. But looking at this, because you still have the choice to go through, you know, uh manned booth for both immigration outbound and security outbound, the fact that they have implemented it's open to everyone, I'm pretty sure it's a sign that they will do the same on the inbound. That would be so Oh yeah, oh yeah! No having to fill a landing card or anything. Anyway, so the airport. D- I'm sorry, guys, because I've been talking and Alex has not been talking a lot. really sorry, Alex. <laughs> no, not at all. This is,
1: I, like I said. You've been going to places that I've never even come anywhere close to. So I'm I'm doing my
0: research for future trip. <laughs> so. Busuanga airport, the one we are in, it's actually called Francisco Reyes Airport. The actual name in Sisk Usuga Coron. Why? Because on the airport all the letters fell down and there's only a few letters remaining on the big sign, so you can't. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> that perfect. shows you the kind. The reason I went there I went to do a wedding I was actually officiating the wedding manda is something once in a lifetime but That's so cool. Often, yeah, being a priest at a wedding. Guys, that's a story for beers but yeah, it's an amazing thing to be doing. So this airport is in the island of Coron which is in the south well known because Palawan is very close. It's one of the best beaches in the world actually. I think I think it's Condé Nast Traveler named out of their top 10 beaches in the world. Three are in the Philippines. We had a private island. It was a boat together and everything, but this is a little, 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 little airport in the middle of the Philippines. Other airports in the Philippines are finally seeing some kind of, um, a refurbishment. For instance, Boracay is probably going to, be 20 size bigger, that's probably the best beach in the Philippines. It just reopened after I've been closed for six months to kind of refurbish the entire area. The airport itself is... But that one I went to, USU, so Busuanga, is, man, it's a shed. The The door, the door of entrance, it says entrance, is probably the same size as the door that is behind you, the door of your room you're <laughs> in now. <laughs> And they have two security, you know, like all these airports in the world. You don't know why, because you pass the first security, which is the entrance of the terminal security, just to get into the second security, which is the departure lounge security. It's like, why would I have two? Because probably the regulation says you have to have two, but it just doesn't make any sense. It's tiny, there's two gates. And the two gates are basically, again, two doors, the size of the doors behind you, which is your room next to each other. So you don't even know where there's two gates. It's very endearing. There's nothing man, around it. There's like in the middle of nowhere, they can barely have, you know, propeller planes. Of course, no big, big birds would be ever able to land there. But you know what? It's endearing. It's one I like of airports. airports like you'd that. Never, yeah, you never see anywhere else. They do announcements, you know, like you said earlier, they they do everything as if they were big airports. They do these massive announcements. You're like, guys, we're like 20 people. Why would you go uh, on yeah. PA's and announce to the entire region that oh the flight is delayed by 20 minutes? And you're like, yeah, we can see the runway in front of us. There's no aircraft. <laughs> like you can, <laughs> there's probably a maximum of two aircraft at the same time. You know, they're probably Skyjets or, or Philippine Airlines, and that's it. So they do these. They act as if. You're in Hong Kong and Singapore and they tell you all and you're like, yeah, well, we're sitting in front of the runway and there's nothing else to do. We kind of see everything you're announcing us, which it's, it's endearing. I, I I love it. When you when I land there, they end deliver you the luggage. You clearly see them picking up the luggage from the ATR and they have... um. A seemingly belt but the belt doesn't move They just drop the luggage and you pick it and you leave that's it it takes you like a second it's it's honestly it's really cute i it's, love uh, i i don't get to go to enough airports like that there's one or two shops in it but you know when i was leaving i arrived in the airport and then because I have the trackers i can see that the flight i'm supposed to take has not even left manila so i'm like mm-hmm. it's never going to take off in half an hour i would so i go out again and there's like these guys have installed little restaurants just because you know there's people around them maybe they have a business model and i went to a restaurant and had like some food filipino food amazing and then next door there's a bar they have like maybe just five beers but that's it and it's like little sheds next to each other next to the airport it's so good and the best thing I sent you the picture because I don't have anything to do I'm walking around walking around this is really this tiny airport I see that I can see the runway better from an angle so I go there with my camera and then I see a beach H18 right there so beautiful and delivery of this one I'll put the pic on our Instagram account it's just sitting there and these things they've stopped doing them in the 60s or something right and it's Mm. one it's in a pristine condition I've sent you the pic it's Oh, my God. You know, just by that, I was super happy to see one there and waiting. They're uh, you know, so I, beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, it's guys, there's nothing really much more to add to that airport. It's one of the airports you'd be using if you were to go. There's lots of views in the Philippines if you we were to go to the magnificent beaches. Obviously, the best thing is when you take off and when you land. You have the views, the stunning views on the islands, on the atolls. And you're very, very low. So you see everything. Yeah. Just. Guys, just for that, go to an airport like that.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm going to. I'm going to make that my plan for 2019 because I love airports like that. You would love it. You would actually adore it.
0: So what are your next slides, Alex? Uh,
1: In a couple of weeks, I am going to Mexico City.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. How? Uh, On Aeromexico, which will be another first. Yeah. uh, It's surprisingly difficult to get... To Mexico City, especially through the U.S., you would think that would be there would be eight oh. million flights a day. Yeah, but me too. The U.S. majors don't fly nearly as often as I thought they would. So, oh wow, and the Aeromexico flight times are are really convenient. They are both late night departures from Heathrow and from Mexico City, which means you ma- we maximize our time on the ground there. So, I have no idea what to expect. I'm in their economy product. I will. Report back, because I... Which I, which alliance are they with? They're one of the founding members of Sky Team. Oh, wow, okay. So I have no
0: status whatsoever. That would um, be very interesting. So that, that's, You see, your first flight in 2019 will be exactly what a lot of people tell us to do sometimes, to go like, into more regular flights and not our uh, yep. pointy end. And, oh, perfect. Wow. I'm very jealous. And Mexico City apparently is amazing, especially for food.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to eating myself, silly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually we might record before you leave we don't know we'll see if we can actually make it to compensate for our lack of episodes uh, i'm flying tomorrow morning ba to barcelona for a birthday and and back so t3 i might go to this american lounge and then uh, probably at the time when you're flying to mexico but probably will record before i'm doing this crazy thing when i'm yes. i need to be in san francisco sunnyvale actually so Sunnyvale, it would be better to fly to Saint-Jose San Jose from day, yeah. with with BA. But I need to be the, the week just after, just really just after I need to be in Dubai. And I was looking, the prices were like crazy because US, rule, whatever. So then I'm, what I ended up doing is I'm flying with Emirates to Dubai. I, I switched terminal in Dubai and then I fly from Dubai with Cathay Pacific to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to San Francisco. I drive to Sunnyvale and the way back, I redo the whole thing. So that's going to be like... Pretty intense day, but we're probably going to record before we, we, we do that. And uh, on the next episode, I'll have the story of the flight to Japan with Ethiopian, yes. with Aziana, with Jal. Very, very interesting. And I wanted to keep it for another episode. It was a long episode. Sorry, I talked a lot, Alex. No, no, it's fascinating. I'm,
1: I, again, I'm very envious of some of these. Do we, have a, do we have a Mastication Nation coming up soon? Yes, well? uh, in fact, it should be... Well,
0: by the time you listen to this, it will be live. Nice! I have something to listen to in my flight tomorrow. There you go. Yes, <laughs> awesome. yes, you will. <laughs> What's the... So I can say, what is the the letter and what
1: is it? It is S for supplies. So all oh, wow. of the cooking materials that you need. And actually, we, oh, we, like every episode, we spend <laughs> half an hour talking about the best thing we ate. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Will uh, Will's uh, encyclopedic knowledge of of the kitchen was uh, particularly potent in this episode did you skip letter q uh what did we do for q uh i don't even remember
0: and <laughs> i <laughs> never mind doesn't mean because it was like we're expecting quinoa but not with you so i was like what else i like quinoa but my brother does Me too so, uh, <laughs> we uh we did quiche for q oh i didn't listen to it yet yeah there you go So, guys, besides this, you can listen to Alex and and Will or see Alex on his attaché. You released quite a few at the end of last year, so there's quite a lot to see. And we hope we are going to record it in the next uh, two weeks for episode 86. Where to? Uh, We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And until then, safe travels. Enjoy, guys.